When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, everybody? Bob Wangle alongside Anthony Sanfilippo. Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Phillies are streaking, and at the midway point, they hold a tie for the third and final wild card spot in the National League after a blowout 11 0 win last night against a terrible and absolutely dreadful Washington Nationals team. And also coming out or off of two out of three over the weekend against the St. Louis Cardinals. So, Anthony, we have not talked in about a week here. The Phillies, right now, if the season ended today, are in playoff position. Yep. Did you imagine that statement being true going back to May 31st when the Phillies were 21 and 29 and their season looked dead in the water? No, I, well, let's put it this way. Um, you knew I was, I was one of those long picture guys, right? Big picture, it's long season kind of thing. I still believe in the talent of this team, but even I will admit, and we had a, a, a podcast the day that, that, I think it was the next day, um, prior to the Girardi's last game, um, basically saying, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to wane. I'm starting to now, now believe that this is getting away from them. Um, basically saying, it's got to be fixed now or never. And while they did fix it now, um, in a big way, have gone 22 and nine since. Where I think I'm more surprised, Bob, is I never would have expected them to be in playoff position in a month. Yeah. Re- really, that's the thing. Like they were so far back. Um, I mean, they're, they're they're now getting to a point where, look, I don't want to say it yet because it's still seven games. But they've 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 erased a five and a half game lead by the Mets in a, in a month. In the division. They're within seven. Now, it's going to be tough because the Braves are playing great baseball, too. And I still think the Braves are the best team. And now the Mets are getting Scherzer back. He pitched a great game last night. DeGrom's throwing 100 miles per hour. So they're getting their two aces back. So that's going to make the Mets infinitely better. Um, I'm not saying saying it yet that, oh, my God, you know, they have a shot at the division. But you know what? Get get, a, get another couple games closer. Get within five, four, five games. Also, we're going to be talking about the, the NL East, too. We're not just going to be talking about a wild card. I, I love the way that they're playing right now. They're what six and three without Harp since the Harper injury. Um, yeah. The lineup is starting to come around. People, you know, I remember last time we talked, I was like they were struggling a little bit. And it's like, well, maybe move Schwarber out of leadoff spot. No, I, 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 if the if the rest of the lineup is going well, leave it alone. I was only I was only arguing to do it if the rest of the lineup was going to struggle in, in replacing Harper. But we're going to talk about these individual players. There are at least three or four guys who have picked up their game offensively. Since Harper went out, and I, that's made the difference with this team. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, listen, I uh, am wrong about quite a bit. Uh, I thought that this team was was in trouble. Uh, I did not think uh, that they would be back to this point, especially this soon. But here they are, and like you said, 22 and nine. 
since June 1st. I mean, it's just absolutely remarkable. I mean, they're playing right now 7-10 baseball over the last month. And this little stretch here against some good competition without Bryce Harper, uh, good competition up until last night anyway. And look, the Phillies have an opportunity now to make a move here in this series. They can win the series tonight with Aaron Nola on the mound. Quite frankly, they should sweep this series. And I don't think that they're just going to continue to ascend, ascend, ascend. You go back to St. Louis, four games, it's going to be difficult. Who knows what happens when they go down to Miami. There are still going to be challenges ahead here. But what they are doing, when you talk about treading water, well, right now they're doing a little bit more than treading water. But this is what it looks like. You have to win the games that you are supposed to win. And then, you know, you're going to take your lumps at points against better competition when you're a little bit shorthanded. I mean, this is a team with some issues. You know the starting pitching depth. Christopher Sanchez did a fantastic job last night for what the situation was. Right. There are going to be there are going to be more bumps in the road here, but what they are doing right now is capitalizing on an opportunity and you know, credit to them. It's it's been amazing. So I think that the story of last night's game, although it turns into a blowout, at the end eleven nothing, Phillies pound out thirteen hits going away. The story of last night's game again comes back to the story of June, which is Kyle Schwarber. And I know that everybody was a little bit a little bit hesitant. You know, everyone's making the jokes about, about June 31st and what happens when the calendar turns to July. And, you know, funny enough, Kyle Schwarber starts off the month of July 2 for 13 with no extra base hits. Only a couple games, no big deal. But if there was any concern, last night I think that those concerns were eliminated when he launched his National League leading 24th and 25th homers of the year. Phillies are at the midway point, Anthony. He's on pace for 50 home runs right now. Yeah, would only be the second time in franchise history that anybody hit 50 home runs. Uh, that, you know, that's that's something. I mean, it really is something, Bob, to, to be where he's at power-wise at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, now he's, what, four for 16? That's 250. That's 30 points above his league season average, right? And we'll take that. You'll take that in a month. If you if Schwarber gets the 250, holy hell, you might bring him into MVP conversation. Um, but uh, uh, no, in all seriousness, you know it was great to see. Uh, he had um, uh, they they intentionally walked him. They were so afraid to pitch to him the third time. They they put him on base to get to oh the the guy who's only been the National League Player of the Week. Not that Hoskins had a good game last night. He was 0 for five, uh, but he was the National League Player of the Week coming into the game, and it was like. Yeah, let's put this guy on and pitch to that guy who's who's even hotter. So I mean, that's and I wanted to point out after you wrote a 2011 word ode to Reese Hoskins that he promptly went 0 for five. I just you know, <laughs> oh, not all 2011 words for for Reese. Maybe about yeah, maybe yeah. about 1100 of them, but <laughs> no. I mean, listen, you're you're right, and and if if they can continue to get, you're not going to get that that June level production. I don't think, at least. I mean, because as you said, that is MVP caliber production out of Kyle Schwarber. I don't know that he has that in him, but I do think that he's a guy that's probably going to finish this season somewhere between 40 and 45 home runs. I think that that's probably a fair projection at this point. And then it brings me to what everybody said when Bryce Harper first went down, which is this. They need more out of their big money, big name guys with established track records. Nick Castellanos. Yeah, a couple hits last night, a couple RBIs, one was a broken bat. I'm still not there on him. I watch him, and I still don't think that he's quite in that flow, that rhythm that we're, we're expecting to see from him. Right. But the other name that gets tossed around is JT Realmuto, and that he's got to be better. Well, you know, lo and behold, from the start of that Padres series all the way up through last night, yeah, I mean, he's hitting 273 now over about a two-week stretch. 
And more importantly, I tweeted this out last night, his first 257 plate appearances this season, only three home runs. His last 36 plate appearances, he's got four home runs. Yeah. So there has to be some reasonable hope here that maybe he's not the, the best offensive catcher in baseball anymore. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he just had a couple bad months. But I do think that you can believe at this point that He's on his way back a little bit. Yeah, no, I was, I'm glad you pointed that out. I, I think Real Muto has looked a lot better, especially since Harper went out. Um, it's it's almost like he realized, okay, I gotta get I gotta get my shit together. I mean, really, in all honesty, it's almost like he realized that if we're gonna succeed, I, I have to be a part of it. You know, it's one thing to kind of you know be struggling and, and and not be producing when you have other guys that are producing in front of you. But when you lose such a big piece like like Harper, then the, the spotlight becomes even harsher, right? And so I think that it was it, that was like the wake up, maybe the wake up call he needed. I think maybe it's even with Castellanos, so and now you're right, he's still not driving the ball like you'd like. I mean, I, I will say, I mean, he's had a few two hit games here. They've they've been a lot of cheap hits, although he did have that nice double um, the other day, and. Um, you know, I, I I do think that he's had a couple of swings where he's just missed. Like he's hit a lot of deep fly balls, especially the right field. Uh, I noticed that he's getting them out to the track out there a little bit. So he's just missed on on a couple of those. And I mean, he doubled into the right center gap yeah. last night. He actually, just missed hooking a ball down the line for a double, and then he comes back later in the at bat a few pitches later yeah. and does it. So maybe maybe his his coming around is a little bit slower than Real Muto's coming around was. But I think that that could be there. So like I, I you know you, you can't knock these guys. I mean, they're doing. What they what they needed to do. I mean, when you're you know, and that says a lot about that clubhouse right now because they are playing for each other in the sense that we need to pick ourselves up without we don't have our MVP and for the four guys that are in this lineup that you needed to come up come up big have come up big at, at different times over the course of the last nine games. So for our listeners that that uh, routine, routinely check in with us, um, you know, everyone knows. Oh, okay, well, you're the Flyers guy. I'm the Phillies guy. Well some changes to the crossing broad coverage here lately uh you and i are kind of weaving in and out now and so we're both down there so we both have a little bit of a different perspective as we take in uh games here and and so i know that you wrote about it you did the game sunday night you were there and talk about the vibe there sellout crowd they play a really good game zach wheeler deals they get a couple key hits from hoskins real muto and you start to kind of generate this belief, like, this is what it could look like. And I know that you and I had a conversation texting back and forth about the only other time in recent memory that I can really feel, you know, or I really felt like, you know, maybe this team is back, is that series early last August against the Mets. Zach Wheeler pitches. He's fantastic. They sweep New York. And you start to think, like, maybe the Phillies are back. So you go down there Sunday night, fireworks night, granted, right, right. On, on the, yeah. you know, July 3rd. But Pack Stadium, they play a good game. It, does it does it feel to you like this team's back? Because last night the crowd, eh, whatever. But when I went into that clubhouse after the game last night, I just I just looked around. We had to wait a while to, to talk to Schwarber, and I just kind of you know did like a three sixty slowly around, looking at everybody, talk with one another, and it's a different feel in there than what I recall in the past. And I'm I, I'll tell you, I mean I know this team's flawed, and and. I said it a couple minutes ago. I know that there's going to be some dark days ahead. But it does have a different feel to me. Yeah, it does. But winning does that. Winning breeds a different culture, right? I mean, and that's what you have right now, and that's what you're feeling in that in that clubhouse. When I walked in Sunday night, they must have had, and I don't know, you've, maybe you've experienced it and I haven't, 
they, they must have had some kind of smoke machine going off in there because it was all foggy and cloudy when, when we walked into the clubhouse after uh, talking to Thompson. Um, and they did have, you know, the, uh, the, the, the it um, the open thing flashing in that one locker room, or that one locker, you know. Uh, they had some music playing. Guys were walking around with a couple beers each, right? I mean, it was, it was, it was they knew they had a day off the next day. They're, maybe, like, they had, like, their own little internal fireworks display um, inside the clubhouse. But, no, but you could tell that they have a different, it's a different atmosphere. It's, it's a different feeling. They believe in themselves. They believe they can win. And, and that's, a, that's a big thing. Like, even when you, when you are a flawed team, if you believe you can win, you, you're going to win games that you probably shouldn't. And not that last night was one of those. Obviously, winning 11 to nothing is, against Washington, it seems pretty easy. But, you know, winning two of three against the Cardinals – you know, going three and three against Braves and Cardinals in a very tough back-to-back series without your MVP, you'll take that. And we talked about this. We look, we were looking at this stretch, you know, of leading up to the trade deadline, and we and we basically said they had, um, you know, 15 games against good teams, and then they had like 13 games against bad teams. If they could just go, you know, right around 500 against the good teams, and then you know do their part, win nine, you know, go nine and four against the bad teams, you're in a real good spot come August second. Well, they're on their way. I mean, they're 500 against the good teams. They they beat the bad, one of the bad teams last night. They should, like you said, they should sweep the series. I I look at it. I think, and I look at the, you know, I watch that St. Louis team. They're they're better than the Cardinals. They just are. They they are. I don't I don't I know the Cardinals are missing you know a couple people whatever, but. They're, they're a two-man lineup, man, the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's Goldschmidt and Arenado when you watch it. At least they were last weekend. Yeah. And I kind of have said that. We've talked, and I know that you like them. You like the Phillies more than Milwaukee, and we've talked I about the, the, the pixie dust vibe with the Cardinals, the last dance type of thing going on there. But you strip it all away, and you're, you're starting to look at this, and you do have to wonder now. I mean, the Phillies are kind of nipping at the heels of Milwaukee, who got hot for a while. They're only two games behind the Brewers. They're now – tied with the Cardinals or percentage points ahead of the Cardinals at the moment. The Giants are in a total free fall. They've lost six straight games. They blew a lead late last night. You know, Atlanta right now is is starting to kind of assert itself. They look like the defending World Series champion. Mm-hmm. And you were talking at the top of the show about the National League East and can the Phillies climb back into this thing? And I don't know. And and part of the reason I don't know is just because I don't know that both New York and Atlanta are going to fall off so much that the Phillies are going to be able to run them down. But I will say, you're starting to watch this Braves team, and if you just been watching for the last month, the last month and a half, and I know the Mets are getting Scherzer back, right? Like, And I know he's just coming back. I know that DeGrom's coming back. But it is kind of like, wait a minute, are the Braves the, the better team here? And I know that you've suggested that as recently as a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I, st- so, I still I think they are. I think they are the better team. I, I The thing about the Mets... Bob, that you know, they got off to such a great start. You knew I, we've, I've said it in the beginning. Like, they even got off to a better start than than I expected. You know, credit to them. I just don't like their lineup. I just they don't. have not hit at all. I mean, they've not hit at all the past couple of weeks. It's been bad. Yeah, uh, really. Bad. And, I, and I knew. And I kind of kind of felt like that was going was going to fall off. You know, I mean, those guys were red hot to start the year. And I said, actually, like, you look at these players, you're like, how many of these guys can sustain this? I mean, how many of them? Maybe one or two in that lineup. I mean, they got a couple good players that, you know. But other than that, I mean, really, how many can sustain it? And so that's the thing with the Mets. I mean, you can have all that great pitching all you want. They're a lot like the Brewers to me. They, got, they have great starting pitching and a lineup that's meh. 
I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I'll take what the Phillies have as far as a more consistent lineup, a more productive lineup, and maybe not as good starting pitching, but good enough starting pitching, assuming everybody's healthy. Uh, <laughs> I put that caveat out there. Uh, and I'd, I'd rather take that combination going into a playoff series than I would the other. I just, I just li- I like it better. Well, what's amazing is the Mets are 19 games over 500 at 50 and 31. Atlanta has surged to 14 games over 500, 48 and 34. Phillies are sitting at five games over. And you look at the run differentials. The Mets plus 59. The Braves plus 58. The Phillies plus 56. Yeah. And so even taking the Mets' insane start, you look at all three teams. And I am a big believer at the end of the day, run differential does speak to what you do as a team. I agree. And the Phillies are starting to make a little bit of a run here. They're five and one against the Nationals. They're they're getting the benefit of playing a bad team here. They should be able to pad that a little bit more. And things are starting to level off a little bit. You know, Kyle Schwarber talked after the game with reporters last night about, listen, every team has a bad month or two. Every team has an okay month. And then every team, usually, you know, good teams, decent teams, always have a, a good month or two. And he said, we just happen to have our two bad months right at the very start. And I would argue... You know, that, that April really wasn't even that bad. It was May, May that was, was the, bad, the month, bad month. Right. And you, you're starting to wonder now, based on what we've seen since the beginning of June, if really that was the Phillies kind of getting it out of the way. We typically see this in September with these teams of recent memory. So maybe this thing is starting to level out. But it's interesting when you take stock of the entire National League now, just forget the NLEs for a moment, but you step back and you look at it and you're like, all right, like they have the same run differential as St. Louis. You look at San Francisco, they're only plus 19 now. They're a game over 500. And the Padres, I know Fernando Tatis is not is not there, but that team was not going to be a 97-win team. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Right. I know that they're a good team. I, I think that they're, they're probably better than the Phillies. I don't want to get carried away here. I don't know to with what degree of certainty you can absolutely say that either. I, I don't. I'm, I'm not convinced of it, to be honest with you, Bob. I'm just not. I just. I. I, I just like. Again, when the Phillies played that, again they played one without both Machado and, and Tatis. So yes, that's that's a lot of offense being mi- missing from that from that team. I, I just look at. It and I say again, that's a team that's top heavy, right? And I, I think the Phillies are less top heavy. Phillies were top heavy last year. That's why they didn't get in the playoffs because they were Harper, Harper, nothing, though? right? I, I agree with you, but I, I it, it's kind of easy. I, I don't want to get sucked up into this like everything is coming up Phillies right now thing. Like the reality well, I mean, of it but, is, and, and today's not the day to do that's it. Fine, but, but like Matt Kaplan is hurt. You know, Ranger Suarez is hurt. Yes. Kyle Gibson looks. I, I would you say brutal is Last a good word? Starts, right absolutely, now? absolutely. But here's what, here's what I'm gonna say. The difference is, is that, you know, last year, it was, like I said, it was Harper. You had Hoskins, and then he got hurt, and then after that, you had nothing. Nobody else in that offense stepped up. I, I look at this right now, and, yeah, it, it's a short sample right now, Bob, but look at who's helping them produce right now. Derek Hall, right? Yeah. Uh, Alec Bohm, Matt Veerling, like guys that are just pieces, but they are being productive pieces. And that, when you when you put that together with the fact that you have four or five big name bats in the lineup, I look at that and say that is better than having a team that's got two superstars and then a bunch of other guys. Like to me, I how about I like that so much better. 
I have like a notes, uh, a notes thing to go down here, and I said, if time out, boom. I mean, you brought him up. Nine game hitting streak. He's not, he's not chasing down fifty six games no. here or anything like that. I think, you know, I think uh, that those records are safe. But that being said, twenty four multiple hit games this season. Yeah. Two sixty eight, no power, and and I, there's still long term concerns. I, I we don't need to do the long term concerns thing today, but he's he's done a nice job. I mean he's that, he's done a functional job. That plays team. in the bottom of bottom third of a lineup, Bob. Yeah. It plays down there. Yeah. I mean I know he's not. You're right. It's, he's not hitting for power. You want him to hit for power, but for now, for this team, he's doing what his role is required as a guy who's going to bat seven eight nine ultimately. I think what I'm trying to figure out right now as they approach the the All-Star break, and today's a great time to talk because it's the mathematical midway point of the season, 81 games. They're, they're basically trending at a, an 86-win pace right now. Can they exceed that? Will they fall short of that? How many games do they need to win? These are all start, the, the, the conversations that I feel like you start to have as you reach the midway point of the season. But I think that even more so than that, I'm trying to go super high level right now and just ask myself a question, and it's, you know, I assume that this team is going to add at the trade deadline. I assume that this team will get back Bryce Harper at some point. We didn't even talk about that. You know, he says yesterday, I, I will be back. I think that he will be back. There are just a few things that I'm looking at right now, and it's it's kind of eye-popping. I mean, when you look at this offense, as inconsistent as as inconsistent as it can be at times, we saw the struggles right away with with Harper out. 4.89 runs per game. They're third in baseball in runs scored per game behind only the Yankees and the Dodgers. I mean, they're knocking on the doorstep of scoring five runs per game. Yeah. So we can talk about all the different moving parts and the injuries of this offense, but right now, when you take this offense and compare it against the rest of baseball, I mean, it stacks up at an elite level. It, and and I don't know that it's elite offense. I, I, I assume that they will go through prolonged stretches where they, they just don't hit. Derek Hall's not going to hit 300. He's not going to be banging balls off the wall over the fence every game. But right now, it looks pretty damn good. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say, Bob. I mean, I, like, I think that there are there's more to this team than what meets the eye. You know, and, and, and when you get when you get contributions from these types of players, I didn't even mention Jairo Munoz, who it was like, who the hell's Jairo Munoz? Well, all the guy's done is whenever he comes in, he's freaking get on base. He's in, I, he get, oh, he get, no, I'm serious, he gets hit, he gets hits. The guy just gets hits. I mean, I don't know where it came from. He's not that kind of player, right? I mean, even when his, his previous uh, incarnations in the majors, he's never been like a big-time clutch guy, but he's got that that mentality. He's got that 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 fu attitude. Like, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to get that hit, man. Like, and it's and I love it. I, and that's that's what I like to see out of these guys. Look at the point is is that you're saying you're, you know they're going to be a buyer at the deadline, and who knows what they're going to buy. My guess is it's going to be a starting pitcher and maybe a bullpen piece. I'm not convinced that they're going to buy offense. Um, maybe and a defensive outfielder, maybe. Um, but other than that, like I think that that's kind of all that you're going to see them go after pitcher two, two pitchers. The point is is that you know a month from now. They're in this same spot. Let's say they're in the same spot, right? Kind of that last wild card team. You then go past the deadline, and you have the opportunity to bring back Bryce Harper, Gene Segura. You're bringing back an MVP and another pretty solid starting player that no other teams are really going to be able to add after August 2nd. Like, right. that's huge. 
That's huge. Hey, listen, I, I'm with you. And what's what's really interesting is we talk about the offense, and we've we've both discussed how this rotation's a little bit underrated when healthy. I, I think that that's fair. I know that we've expressed, I particularly have expressed depth concerns about the starting yep. rotation, but in fairness, Bailey Falter's done a, a serviceable job for this team. He was he was okay on Friday night. I know that we were texting a little bit back and forth. You covered the game. Yeah. You covered the game Friday night, and I said, ugh. But at the end of the night, he, he did a nice job. He gave him a shot. And maybe, maybe this team on the pitching side of things is a little bit better than we thought. Let me just throw some numbers out there uh, at you. Or uh, so I mean, listen. For the whole season now, the Phillies Phillies pitching staff. Forget selecting sample sizes, recent runs. Phillies pitchers, starters and relievers this season are fifth in FanGraphs WAR right now. And since, and now I'll do a small sample size thing. Since June 15th, and I tweeted this out last night, and I know that you pulled numbers after Sunday night's game because the bullpen has been flat out spectacular the last you know two weeks or so. But you go back to June 15th, Phillies relievers, 60 and two-thirds innings pitched. They have a 1.1 war. That's the second best war in all of baseball, the tops in National League. And they also have, and this is what is truly astounding to me, because I never thought I'd say this under any sample size. Phillies bullpen has the best bullpen ERA at 2.23 in all of baseball dating back to June 15th. Yeah. That is absolutely absurd, and it begs the question, what the hell was Joe Girardi doing with this group? Well, they had the, they had the wrong people in the wrong places at the, at the beginning of the season. We kept saying it, Bob. I mean, you know, you're, you had Kniebel as a closer, and your setup guys were Alvarado and Familia. And it, none of which are in those roles any longer. I mean, that's the reason. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, that's, he was relying on guys, to, you know, more veteran guys who have been in those roles before to kind of take those roles and run with them. But now you look at what you have. Sir Anthony Dominguez is your closer, or at least your, your big-time fireman. And if you get in the eighth inning, if you're facing, you know, Goldschmidt and Arenado, maybe you put him out there then. Brad Hand is a kind of like your lefty guy out there. He's got some reverse splits. His slider's been really nasty. He's pitched really well. Brogdon, I think he's back. He was, was he back last night in the, the they brought him back last he's night. He's back. I don't believe he's been activated okay. yet. So okay. he, he came back. They're gonna you know have him throw and get okay. his feet back. But, but Brogdon's probably gonna get into that role as well, where he was he was really starting to be uh, really successful prior to his you know landing on COVID IL. Um, so like he, you know he's you got that kind of that role for him, and now you're using a guy like Alvarado in a strikeout spot. I need a strikeout. Right. Bring him in in that spot. We're facing a lefty. Which we talked about earlier in the season. He's not a setup man. Why are you going to him on a consistent basis? But he may be worth keeping on the roster in the event that, hey, yeah. we can't have a ball put in play here. Let's roll the dice. And he has been better lately in these lower leverage yes. situations combined with when they use him, hey, go get him. Right. You know, just just try to get, try to generate a swing. In the yep. Ice. And, uh, I mean, Bellotti's been really key for them. Uh, he's been, you know, done a nice job in his role. I, I wanted, I'm glad you mentioned him because we talk about Nick Nelson. He's done a nice job. He's he's kind of brought some some stability, multiple innings at times. Andrew Bellotti, 13.3 strikeouts per nine yeah. innings right now. And I almost feel like looking at it and saying, all right, well, he's got a 3.25 ERA, which is certainly solid. I don't know that that does it total justice, though. I mean, 41 strikeouts in 27 and two-thirds innings pitch. And for every Ian Kennedy and... 
Corey Knebel of May and June that the Phillies have kind of stumbled upon? Guys that you've expected to pitch well that haven't? How about this? They finally stumble into some guys that you're, you're not expecting a ton out of who've, who've done a nice job for them. Uh, and, and, hey, even with Corey Knebel, yeah. he had his, probably his best uh, outing since April his last time It was great, out. and it was because he had he, – he, it was not really a safe situation because it was 4 nothing. But he did have to face – Goldschmidt, Arenado, and then uh, who was the last? I forgot who the last guy was. That he, uh, I mean, again, could have gotten. It was, it was Gorman. Yeah. Uh, was the third yeah. guy he struck? But he came in, got weak contact out of uh, Goldschmidt, and then struck out both Arenado and Gorman with, with pitches that were just nasty. And yeah, so again, finding a role for these guys, and that's why I asked Thompson that question when he was talking about the bullpen. I wanted, like, because I said, how much is it is, is them getting the confidence out of those the roles that they're in? And he said, yeah, that's definitely part of it. You know, guys, you know how it is, Bob. Baseball players are creatures of habit. They want to know when they're going to play. They want to know when they're going to come in. They want to know what the situations are going to be. They don't like to be all, you know, we'll, we'll you know, fly by the seat of their pants kind of thing. They just like to know these things. The consistency of the bullpen, or the, of, of the usage of the bullpen, is, I think, a well-underrated reason why they've been as successful as they've been. So uh, a premier offense, a pretty good starting rotation, a lights-out bullpen. Fangraphs says the Phillies only have a 40% chance of making the postseason. What do you say to Fangraphs? Because I'm printing World Series tickets. I tell you, for Fangraphs, you know, you, know, you know me, Bob, with those percent chances. I hate how a computer can sit there and say, well, this is the order of the play, and blah, blah, blah. We're basing it off the – you can't because the team that's playing right now is not the team that played in May. And I, the computer is using data from the team that played in May as part of its, you know, uh, analysis. You know, it's, it's data analysis of, of what their chances are making the playoffs. I, I look at the National League, and I'm having a hard time coming up with more than a couple teams that are definitely better than the Phillies right now. Atlanta, yes. Los Angeles, yes. I put the Phillies on the same page right now as the Mets – Brewers, the Padres, I think they're better probably than, than the Brewers, but like, let's say Mets and Padres. You get six teams in. Who else is going to – like, I, I, don't, I don't see I, it. I just think, I, I think – well, so if you're talking about getting into the – and I'll, if, if you're not watching this on YouTube, I'm using air quotes yeah. because it, I always kind of scoff when this gets said, but the tournament. Getting into the tournament, can the Phillies match up with these other teams when you go Wheeler, Nola? Sure. The, the Mets concern me. So here's where I, I do wonder. Like – does Ranger Suarez come right back off the IL, and is he is he all right? It looked like he was finally starting to figure things out. Now, does this kind of stunt that that ability to figure things out? What is Zach Eflin when he returns? Does he return when he's he's scheduled to do so? And those are questions I have. And we talked about maybe adding to the the rotation at the deadline. To me, that would be my top priority. Mm-hmm. I know that some people want another outfield bat. Some people might want to address the left side of the infield. That's all fine and well, and I understand it. I'm not saying that they shouldn't explore those opportunities, but I still think that they need help with the starting rotation, and I am starting to get a little bit concerned about what I've seen from Kyle Gibson lately. So I think you have to add there. My concern, though, is when I kind of look out, because right now everything feels real good, right? Everything's going well. They're at home. They're starting to play better at home. They're taking advantage of bad teams. They go out to, like, let's say St. Louis, and they have to throw Christopher Sanchez against – 
one of one of St. Louis's top arms. Well, what happens when they go down to Miami, a place that they haven't played very well at really now for a handful of years, and they have to throw Bailey Falter in a game? And like I, I, you know, those games where you turn on the TV or you're at the stadium and you just go. I don't love the way they feel right now. I don't love the way that this game feels. There's going to be those games. Like, right now, it just feels like the Phillies have an... And I'm sure I'll jinx them. It feels like tonight is an automatic win for the Phillies. Like, they're going to show up, and they're going to win tonight. Aaron Knowles on the mound. He'll do enough. They'll score enough runs. Win. You know those games, though, where it feels like the total 180? Where you're like, oh, man, they're really... They got an uphill climb tonight. Those games are coming. And that's what I wonder about. Like, can they win enough of those games? Yeah, and that's a good question. And, you know, I look at it, and I, I like to be optimistic as far as the Suarez injury. The way Thompson made it sound when we talked to him uh, on Sunday was that uh, it was something that they felt that they, you know, by retroacting, making it retroactive to June 30th, they, they felt he would only miss the one start. So they feel like, you know, it's something that he can get right back out there. It was just more precautionary. He was only going to miss the one start against Washington. So just give him the rest. Sanchez comes in, does a nice job. But you, don't, you might not have to go to Sanchez a second time against St. Louis. And you can, you can actually have Suarez there. As far as Falter, you're right. I mean, I get it. You know, you're, he's going to have to pitch some games against teams. You don't like, really like the matchups, whether it's Toronto or whether it's um, uh, Miami, whatever. Um, but the question is, can you get by over the course of the next three weeks with three more starts from Bailey Falter or Christopher Sanchez, whoever decide you, whoever you decide to go to, prior to the trade deadline? And then when that play, when that time comes and you add a player, probably a starting pitcher, then you then you got your rotation in a little bit more set position. I think you're well, I think you're okay in that regard. And so my question to you, and I know that we're a little bit of tight on time, but one thing I do want to just talk about here is, is projecting out heading into the All-Star break. Now, obviously, the All-Star game is a little bit later this year, July, uh, July 19th. And so they, as we talk here, have two left against the Nationals. They have four in St. Louis. And then we talked about that Miami series. That's what they close with, uh, 15th, 16th, and 17th. <laughs> two games that I kind of glossed over, though, happening up in Toronto against a pretty good Blue Jays team. And again, I'll, I'll emphasize this time, up in Toronto, which uh, could have some ramifications in terms of uh, availability and personnel and what the Phillies roster may look like when they go up to Canada. And so they have then the four with St. Louis, three with Miami, uh, two with the Nationals, I'm doing some quick math, and two with the Blue Jays. So it's 11 total games. They're five games over right now. So if they're at 81 now, they'll have played 92 games by the All-Star break. What is your expectation for this team by the time the All-Star game rolls around? Seven and four. Seven and four. So I assume you have a sweep of, of the Nationals yeah. here. So that's two. Yeah. Then what do you have? Two out of three against the Marlins and then split St. Louis, split Toronto? Well, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's the fair way to look at it, although I do think it's possible – that I think they're getting swept in Toronto, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think it's po I think it's possible that you win three in St. Louis and lose those two to Toronto. Wow, you really don't like the Cardinals because going to St. Louis and beating them three out of four after you just beat them two out of three at home. That's that's. I tough. will tell you something, Bob. I was talking to somebody down at the game and it didn't even dawn on me. Didn't even think about it because it's it's the new rules. I'm used to the way things have been in baseball for 130 years, and, and so there's no more game 163. Right, I mean, so now now there's a tiebreak, tiebreaker system, to determine the playoffs. The Phillies are quietly 
amassing tiebreaker advantages over teams. And they view this as very important. The St. Louis Cardinals are a very important team to finish ahead of. Okay? So they're 2-1 and one with them right now with four games left. They got to get at least two. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's possible that I could see them taking that third only because of them really focusing on let's make sure that we have tiebreakers over these teams in case we end up with the same number of wins. Yeah, they would have a tiebreaker over the Brewers right now, I believe. Brewers, I they'd they be ahead of the Brewers. They're ahead, I mean, not that, not that the Dodgers are going to fall completely off, but if the Dodgers did, they'd be ahead of them. They're ahead of the Padres right now. They're a game behind the Braves, and they're a game behind the Giants. I, just saying, it's you know these are things that, that really don't you don't oh, that you don't be, think about. Hey, listen, but I, I I laugh, but I, I started to kind of just project out that the Phillies finish with eighty eight wins and they don't make the postseason on a tiebreaker. <laughs> people are just going to go absolutely crazy over right, that. exactly. But yeah, I mean, these are these are important games, and maybe these tiebreakers do work. I feel like we're we're covering the we're talking about the Eagles here now. I, I I never I've never been used to this, so this is this is something point. new. All right, well, uh, for the sake of time, uh, we know that we're on yeah, a tight I, schedule. I do, have a, have, a... I do have a one last thing, and this could affect the Phillies. Sure. You buying the Marlins right now? They're six, no, one I... six in a row. They're getting themselves back into this thing. They're only three games behind the Phillies right now. No, I, I don't. The Marlins, um, are they've taken advantage of the Nationals, and it's as simple as that. They're, they're more than 10 games under five hundred against everybody else that's not the Nationals. Um, I just, I just don't. I, I know that they swept them. I, I know that they're hot, six in a row. They might actually be fringe buyers at the deadline. Like I'm not dismissing them entirely. They made the playoffs two years ago. I mean, I know it was a 60 game season, but they, they are in recent history more of a playoff threat than the Phillies have been. Um, well, I look at it I this way. Don't. Here's why I look at it. They're playing. They got one more against the Angels, who we know are in total free fall. The then they have a four-game series up in New York against the Mets. And I think that will be a real determining factor for them because then they come off that, they have a seven-game homestand before the All-Star break against the Pirates, yeah, Pirates and, and the Phillies. That Philly series could mean a lot for them. It really could. And so that's why I say this could have an impact on the Phillies. We'll see. I mean, I, I think that you know if they, if they can tread water against the Mets – and then all of a sudden they, they're beating up on the Pirates and they come into that Philly series a game or two out of that wild card spot, that series is going to be something. That's going to mean something. And they're, they got good pitching down there. So it's a, that's why I say, I say I'm not certain. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm not completely in on them, but I do have my eye on them. I'm not forgetting about the Marlins at this point. I think that's well said. They're probably worth having an eye on at this point. Could you imagine that? A, a four-team race yeah. for the National League East going down the stretch in August and September. Yeah. Not quite there yet, but yeah, maybe they are a factor. And if nothing else, maybe what they do is they they kind of get into. And I don't want to I don't want to discredit them to the extent and say, oh, they're going to play spoiler. But what they could do is maybe open up the NL East, and they're not just automatic wins for Phillies included, but the Braves and Mets. Correct. Maybe this thing starts to really balance itself out a little. Yeah. Bit. So interesting. I just I think they're an interesting All right, team. Well. Good stuff, man. Good talking to you. And what we will do is I know that we've said. Uh, a couple times here in in recent weeks. Oh, we'll be back later this week, and then we've just had well, the holiday. The holiday killed us, and yeah, yeah, we've had some some issues with the scheduling. We will be back this week, and I will tell you why. Uh, <laughs> because we need to do another show be before I take my first vacation in over a year. Oh wow! So I'm uh, 
I'm in the Outer Banks next week, so not to say there won't be a crossed up, but I sure as hell won't be on it. Maybe Anthony will bring in a guest. He's big time now. He's covering the fills. Maybe he can maybe he can nab somebody, bring him in, and, and keep this thing going. Absolutely. But so you're going you're going all week next week, correct? I am. Oh yeah. I'm going Saturday night, I'm not coming back until the following Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but uh, we will get it done one more time before then. At the very least, we'll figure it out from there. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, please like us on YouTube, subscribe, follow, do all that stuff, wherever you're listening to this or watching this, uh, and we will talk to everybody soon.